goes away. You know what I mean? Like, that's mm. easy. That's magic. You know that's what it is, bro? What? It's not that deep. I think it is. Well, well, it's not that deep. And here we are, episode two. Here we are. At this point in the show, I'm going to drop the name Jack, and you can call me Oland. And uh, across from AKA Big O. (laughs) Across from me, we've got a Diverge, Martin Diverge. You can call me Martin Diverge, Bam. Whoever makes Bam, call him Bam. If you see him in the street, call him Bam. Definitely. Whatever makes you happy. And today, we're going to be talking about the sci-fi epic 2001 A Space Odyssey by Mr. Stanley Kubrick. Martin, Which is you're going to come through of what year this film came out. 1968. Oh, i got to check it. i got to know. I can't. I don't have a phone on me. We're going to find out after this episode when I put the description to this <laughs> podcast up if Martin was correct about that date. But for those... It's either that, right? Mm-hmm. Or 1977. I have a feeling... Because it, it, I'm either getting mixed up with Eyes Wide Shut or... Eyes Wide Shut uh, was 99. 99, yeah, that's 99. So uh, either getting mixed up with that or um, a Clockwork Orange. I believe Clockwork Orange was 70s, and 2001 is 68. Yeah, yeah that, that, that's where I sit on that one. But for those of you who don't know, 2001 A Space Odyssey is a three-hour epic kind of detail. Sci-fi fantasy. Yeah, sci-fi fantasy. Futuristic film. adventure kind of depicting the history of man and the future of man, I suppose. I guess that's the general premise of the film. But as a, as a film, for the time it came out, it's so ahead of its time. Yeah. Like, so much. Like, I would, would not think that I would have liked the films just because when it comes to films that are so old... I tend not to give him a second thought. Yeah, you don't mess with films that are pre two thousand. I mean, pre two thousand ten, really, do you? Well, like, no, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say pre two thousand. Pre two thousands, right? I wouldn't yeah. say like pre two thousand is what I would say. Like, but like before that, if I just I don't I don't hit it. I don't hit it. I watch a lot of series that are pre two thousand. Which are fine because the series are telling a, a longer story when it, but when it comes to a film that is from the sixties to be to be something I would watch, it's it's not on my bucket list. So to see that Martin's talking about this film, as you can see, it's left an impression on him. A big impression. And if you don't, impression. if you've not seen the film, I mean. I could play you the theme music, and I'm. If you I do not recognize it, I'll be incredibly surprised. It, people had like taken things from two thousand and one, and Stanley Kubrick's work in general is referenced throughout pop culture. I was watching Toy Story four the other day, and um, have you seen it? No. Well, I'm not gonna <clears throat> really spoil anything, but there's a bit where they're walking through. I haven't seen the last three, so. Oh, you don't care. But no. Almost, <laughs> some people might, but it's not a spoiler anyway. They're walking through a jewelry store. Oh no, an antique store, and a record player gets put on, and the song that's playing is from The Shining. 
Oh, really? So you, you see what I mean? Like, and that music that's used at the start of 2001, the classic one. Da, 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 Which at, at da, first, da. if you guys are ever going to watch this film, don't do what I did and look up 10 different websites because the screen is black. The first five minutes of the film is just the music with a black black screen. <laughs> Do not think, oh shit, maybe the movie's not playing. It's just how the movie starts. Perseverance, you know, he uses, he's a filmmaker that utilizes all the senses, you know? <laughs> but at first, I would have liked to know that, so I didn't have to go through, sit through 10 different websites to find. So you're, you're telling me that if you went to the cinema to see that, you yeah. would have walked out? No, no, no. Because you went to different websites. That's the equivalent of you sitting down in your movie seat. No, yeah. but it, they're gonna play that film. Yeah, yeah. There's a like confirmation in, the film's gonna be played. Like I could, I could have been on the internet, and it will be something faulty with my PC. Yeah, or the website. Or the bad. website. Yeah, there's not that. So risk. you, there's like if you want to have a, a, a cinema to watch it, you would know. Oh, music playing, it must start. Mm. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, Where, definitely. But if you're going to watch it at home, which you will, there's not, I'm pretty sure it's not going to be in any sort of uh, cinema. They show it at cinemas kind of once a year or twice a year or something like that around the country. But it's more of a DVD, Netflix, <coughs> streaming website sort of deal these days with Kubrick. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, what was I going to say? I was going to say that that music at the beginning is also used in the first Toy Story when fucking Woody sees Buzz for the first time. Really? Yeah. When well, he's... I've never seen them, so I can't really be like, oh. Buzz is like put on the bed as a toy, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. He's And he, the kid's just got him for a, his birthday. And right. Woody's obviously like the uh, the king of the sheriff of the bedroom, like the cowboy's top dog. And this new shiny thing gets put on the bed, and he like l looks, he grabs onto the side of the bed and like peers over and duh, 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 like the music. So, yeah, it's a fairly influential film. So, I'm going to ask you straight up. Take me through it. What were your impressions of this film? Ah, uh, Just first half an hour. Just first 40, maybe 30 to 40 minutes. Just monkeys about. <laughs> Monkeying about. Monkeying about <laughs> doing whatever they wanted to do and I'm just like please what is happening what is happening what is the sort of plan that we're going through here then that happens and then we go straight straight onto straight onto the future not not even not even earth straight onto the future what's happening is going to become your catch like, what is happening? Like, what is happening? <laughs> like, I want to know what is happening in these films. Like, when, when it comes to, like, the future and how they're all in this sort of space station in the moon. I get it. It's the future. Anything can happen. Mm -hmm. Anything. Anything can happen. Well, it's not the future these days. It's not. We know no. now. We, like, yeah, it's been past 2001. That was his approximation of where he thought we'd be <coughs> by 2001. And obviously... Some shit went wrong. Very wrong. <laughs> carry on. Very carry on. wrong. 
Um, yeah, they're going, they're going through this whole space station bullshit and how they found... A, first off, they found a monolith. The monkeys found a, mo- a monolith. Mm-hmm. And they just started banging it, seeing what it would do. And all of a sudden, fucking disappeared. Yeah. And it appeared buried under the moon. Right? Then six people went to look at it and they had a massive fit over standing over it for a long time. It, make, it makes a noise, doesn't it? It makes a noise. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, all right, maybe this, this is something to do with aliens. Um, th- this could be a, a, a time machine sending messages through time. Uh a whole lot of different stuff, a whole lot of different ideas in my head that what it could have been. I'm not gonna name them all, but just just say a whole. It keeps lot. you guessing. It ke- exactly, yeah, yeah. It keeps me guessing. What is this? You, you, what wondering. is happening? Mm. Basically, right? Then it's 18 months in the future, I guess. It's 2002, I guess. That's if, good memory. Good memory. Yeah. Uh, then. They they go on a space a long journey to is it they're going to Mars Jupiter I believe Jupiter yeah, that's it I think Jupiter. It's Jupiter yeah Jupiter yeah to uh, it might be a moon of Jupiter or some shit I can't to co- to colonize yeah yeah or no not colonize I no, think no, no, you no. find out they, there's another monolith though. yeah yeah uh, they they're going to to uh, look at it. To, to see why it's sending a signal. A signal. It's, that's yeah. it. That's it. So they got they got in, in there. Now there's two characters. Now for anyone who wants to watch the film, this is like major spoiler warnings. Mm-hmm. Like right now, It'll, it's we'll prob- a very old film. I can't. You know, you're not seeing it. I just highly recommend you go and do that. Yeah. Like if you want to know what we're talking this. about, just go watch the film. It's three hours long, but it's a, it's an experience that you have to. I kind think of everyone go should through. experience it once. Yeah, at Definitely. least once. At least once. I yeah. wouldn't, I wouldn't say I'm gonna go watch it ten times a week. It it, it is three hours long. There's an intermission. There is an intermission, where they go back. Into um, telling what's happening, but like. Now that's about where we're actually at in your journey. So they're traveling to Jupiter, and it's two of them. Two of them, right? Yeah. yeah. And a, and well, and a, a robot. Yes. Uh, what's his name? How? That's it. And How's is the most uh, advanced AI they have at the minute. Mm. Well, you think about how pretty spot on in Kubrick was with like touch screens and AI and shit talking to us. Different yep. AI bits and bobs like that. That is like Siri. 50, 60 years ago. Exactly. Like, he's pretty accurate about it, but the, the whole space stuff, not so much. But Well, that. We'll, get, we'll get into this later, but I. It's funny that he was spot on about some stuff and other stuff didn't reach the level. Because all, all that stuff that Kubrick had put into 2001 was kind of that's where they thought that's where everyone thought space travel would be by 2001 because some of the shit that they were coming up with 
in the 60s, America had just scooped up all of the German rocket scientists and they built the rockets that took us to the moon. And if you watch some clips of uh, a man called Werner von Braun talking on a Walt Disney cartoon about the future of rocketry, mm-hmm. it's all the stuff from 2001. It's like circular space stations and it's uh, lunar module probes, you know, like with the ones with the arms and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's all... There's some stuff from the 50s and 60s, like drawings of rockets and stuff, where rocket scientists kind of, where they thought we'd be. It's scary when you look at 2001. It's like they're, they're the same deal. And you, yeah. wonder, you wonder why we're not as far ahead into space as they thought we would have been. All the astronauts say it. Buzz Aldrin, Neil Armstrong, they all say that they thought we'd be a lot further ahead now in 2020 nearly I feel like that's that's got to do a lot with um, and I hope I'm not offending anyone by saying religion I believe it has something to do with money religion and the overall spiritual level of the whole planet itself we can't go into space until we all get along as a world you can't have like one country going into space and the other countries like not being able to afford to get into space and like struggling behind that's yeah, some yeah it's all about that money that's all about that like one bit of the world breaking away from the rest of the world. Yeah. It's all about, we can't go into space unless we all fucking get along and we do it together. It's like that uh, episode on um, Love, Dev and Robots with the, uh, when the yogurt took over. I've only seen, the only one in space I've seen is the one where that girl gets her arm, she has to break her arm off. Really? Yeah. You haven't seen the rest? No, no. That it's was quite good, though. The, is, that. It, this is not a space one, but it's just... Uh, it's, a, it's science. It's about science. Anyway. Anyway, back to 2001. We right. were, we're on, on that intermission, and we're talking about how, right? Yeah. What happens when... Now, now, I get it. Howl is a robot. And is an, an intelligent AI. Um, but... How, like, there's supposed to be five members plus how makes it six. Oh, yeah, there's two three, of them. Three. Three are in incubation. Incubation. Yeah, be, oh, but there was no point cryostasis, in having... Cryostasis, actually, yeah. I believe. Cryostasis, yeah. yeah. Well, there was no point in having them in cryostasis. Because... Huh? If the mission had gone to plan, which we find does not go to plan. No, I get it. It would have, like, it, but, like, if you're, if you're putting it into perspective, like, the guy could have saved. So, like, obviously, it gets to a point where it's just one of them. Mm-hmm. Right? So, what happens to the, the other guy? So the other so guy... basically the computer, they begin to fear that the computer has more knowledge about this mission than they do. Yep. And yep. they start to develop a certain paranoia against the... AI. Against the computer. Mm-hmm. And they go into a pod because... So the computer doesn't hear them talk. And yep. they kind of... Because the computer's always listening, that's the only place they think is safe, so they go in there to discuss their feelings for the first time about the robot. And they kind of both agree that there's some sort of... Because uh... at the start, 
they think it's something to do there's something wrong with the computer well, not because he knows too much about the mission yeah. but because of what he's actually done with the crew because he he well no no first of all he, the, there's a couple of comments that yeah. the computer makes that kind of at the beginning give you a hint that it is interested that it might it it doesn't act entirely like a computer it has some sort of like yeah, human quality AI. to it yeah so then we find out that there's a part of the ship that has broken the the computer says that it's very unlikely that this part of the ship has broken and the backup for it is broken and one of the crew has to go outside and has to fix that part of the ship yeah no has, he has to bring it in take it out off bring it in and fix it yeah so then he he says oh there's nothing wrong so there must be something wrong with the ai yeah so I he he difference. goes he goes he, he said he says he says that, but then how? But then one of the crew members is obviously like, well, if he's, if he is, wrong. How is he not gonna be wrong in the future? He doesn't say that, but he kind of kind kind of means it. Well, like, it casts doubt. Yeah. On on it, and if whether it has some sort of mission of its own that it's trying to carry out yeah. alongside the mission so obviously they have that that conversation mm. with the with themselves where the robots are up there in that pod but during that conversation you see <coughs> you see them in the pod from the perspective of the robot which yeah. then gives you kind of an idea that maybe the robot can read lips yeah because of the way when you look they they zoom in into the guys' slips. In the exact like lens that you know the the AI's eye would be looking. Yeah. Sort of thing. So then one of them has to go outside, doesn't he? Yeah. One of them has to go outside. To put the the, the part back. Yeah. To yeah. fix the yeah. part. No, to put the part back because yeah. they want it to fail, to see if it fails. Because he said it's gonna fail, and then it won't be able to be. Uh, repaired and it could impair the long term mission. Mm. So he puts it back, but puts the item back to see if it'll work. And the AI takes control of his of the guy's uh, pod and hits him to to um into space. Yeah. Obviously, the guy gets knocked out and starts running into space. He flies off, doesn't he? Flies off. He drifts off, away into space. Drifts away into space. Which leads... Which leads the other guy... Yes. ...to go out there and rescue him, which is stupid, because why would you go rescue him without a goddamn helmet? Because I think he, he was, like, panicked, and it, he wanted at least... Like, think, you're up in space, you know that guy's got a family back on Earth. You at least want to be able to bring the body back. Yeah. So they can have one final like physical goodbye with it, but that that's gone. He's, he's tumbling off into space. I hate that fucking shot of him tumbling off into space. It looks so real. It's it's so much. It's not it's nice. So real. Yeah. Like, it it it's so advanced for its fucking age. I well, tell think, you now. That film's a U. A me. A U, mine. A U. A U. It's not a PG. It's not a twelve. It's a U. Universal for everyone. A five. But <laughs> like, you. The thing is, the guy's not. He's not dead. The guy is not dead. 
right? Well, that is, that's a great point that you made, Mark Martin, there, because then what happens next? We'll get to the other guy maybe not being dead and your idea, but what happens to the guy that survives? That's what I want. From that moment on, what happens to the remaining alive person? Well, after... He tumbles off into space. He goes out there and goes to... Try to find him. Try to find him. Then he has to come back. Then he has to come back. But listen, right? Like, he's not dead. He gets him and goes into... Back to the spaceship with the guy in... uh, Just in the film. Huh? No, no, no. He doesn't get... He's in the pod... Mm. And has the guy in the pod hands that they have. Oh, does he? Does he get the body? Yeah, he gets the body. Oh, okay. I couldn't remember that. He gets the body and he has him, right? Mm. And then he says, how? Open the door. Open hatch door A. Yeah, open hatch door A. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, no. Yeah. And then, obviously, now you know the AI has gone bad. Uh, yes. It's he's gone, gone crazy, yeah. right? But what gets me, the guy is still alive, the one that drifts into space, right? Mm. But what he does is, he tries to get back in, but he doesn't have a fucking helmet. Mm. Right? To ball a move, though, what it's happens a bu- next? <laughs> yeah. Like, but he, instead of putting the guy in front of the sh- moving ship, mm. which if you, if you timed it right, he could have the guy... In front of the ship, just move it while, while the ship is moving, having like tug along, yeah, and rescue him in a later scene. Mm-hmm. He just throws him back into space, yeah, like nothing. And you're like, if that was your crew member, you would at least put him somewhere that would Maybe. keep him safe, but then for also at the same short time, time, like you know, a space station ran out of control by an AI bot. That's a pretty big, like, fucking problem. Yeah, I get it, but then he gets in. Ju- he didn't know he, he was ju- going to get in. No, there, he didn't you know? know. No, he didn't know. He didn't have a helmet. He just got he in. He manages to get through the air. He just manages helmet, which is to madness. get in. But, like, even if you have a slim chance, you would do what I said you mm. would do. Right? Yeah, maybe. You would- maybe, yeah. But I've never been in space. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Neither have I, all right? You, it's, it's just... But if you're into space, that means that you're, you've been chosen by a, um, a community or a government that has, that has the highest respects for you and has the highest, like, you must have, like, one of the highest you- mental capabilities. To go into space alone for a certain amount of time, like, 70 years, which, is, which was, like, the... It wasn't 70 years, it was, like... It was supposed to be a five-year-long mission, wasn't it? I Stuff think like so, that. yeah. If you're going into space, you're not necessarily, like, smart. You're like, you don't... Well, yeah, you need to be a fair amount of book smart. I'm not going to yes. deny that. But overall, I think more it's about just being, like, an all-rounded person that isn't going to, like, crack under pressure, that isn't going to... He pretty much cracked under pressure right there. <laughs> that, was, that, that was literally him, like, shit, should I do this or not? It's a lot like, of pressure, though. It, it's, um, what I'm saying is, I, I know, but like, if you're chosen because you can't crack under pressure, and you crack under pressure, even if it's a lot, mm. then you weren't right for the mission. All right. Well, but no, no, do you but, think he cracked under pressure in the following scenes? No, he 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 played them scenes because m- you can majest- 
<sighs> can't even say the word. Majestically. Majestically, yeah. He, in fixing the problem he has with the ship, he decides to make its way to the ship's brain. And completely take it all out. And then having, have, he has fucking the computer sing him a song. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I'm going to really butcher this reference up here, but might be the song it sings. It might be something it says. In the song. In the little speech it does before it dies or in the song. But there's a reference somewhere to the first ever computer that was ever made. It's either in the song. I think it's the song about like a sheep or some shit, like an animal. Or does it mention like a name? Yeah, it mentions a woman. I think maybe that woman's name was the name of the first computer, but made by IBM or something like that. But I'm not really sure, to be fair. But yeah, yeah, I think it was a woman. Yeah, there's this whole scene where he's pulling like uh, kind of cards out of a wall. Cartridges. And each one of those cartridges is a bank of the AI's memory, like a bank of its brain, basically. And but it, he only pulls out enough so that... He has manual control over everything in the ship and the computer doesn't have anything but to listen to him, mm. basically. But then you find out that they, they tell them the real uh, objective of the mission. Yes, they do. The real is, objective is shown on a television. Yeah, and in the uh, computer's brain. Enlighten me. What is the real... The real mission was to find the... That black box. The monolith. The monolith. That, that monolith and see where it, where it does from the signal that it keeps. Or I think the whole... No, the thing that was revealed in the video is that the mission was never meant to come home. Wasn't it? That was, that was, that was part... Yeah, that was part... I feel like I might have just taken that plot point from a film like Interstellar or some shit like that. No, 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 <laughs> no, no. Because no. they, you, they know, they know that that the. Um, they think it's a safe mission, don't they? And they basically get told in that video that it's like a suicide mission for. No, them. they they saying they're going there for a. Uh, for what is it? What's the. For research. Mm. To Jupiter's moon, like you said. Yeah. Or Jupiter. Oh yeah, and really the computer sure. kills all the other. Bodies in cryostasis. Yeah, well. yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that would do that mission. But then he actually knows what the mission is because he's think he is obviously thinking I need to go back. It kind of references in that <coughs> in that video as well that the monolith is some sort of like um, don't want to get into it too much. Yeah, like an intelligence that seems to be going through space and time. It seems to be like communicating. With yeah, this is the basic idea. Doing something. Yeah. But then, so, then it gets. So, then it gets. Here we go. Then it gets to the weird shit. This is the where best like. Bit of the film. This is where like. What happens here, Martin? This is where the <laughs> what the fuck is happening here. This is gets. the bit that people. In this is some psychedelic shit. Like if in the, in the name of our podcast, it's not that deep. This is the deep bit. This is the bit where people like throw the film out. They turn it off. They're like, I don't understand this bit. What is it? It angers people, generally. I, it didn't anger me. It confused the fuck out of me. Like, <laughs> and I'm still confused now, even after remembering it, where they, he meets, he sees the monolith and uses 
a pod to the go The monolith's nip. actually in space, isn't yeah, it? It's he's like floating act, in yeah, space. Yeah, floating in space. And you see a few planets align, don't you? You see like a yeah. line of planets and the monolith is it, floating. It, it almost looks like a black hole. Yeah, it does and look like he, something you can go into. Yeah, and he goes into it thinking, oh, I'll come out easily. Mm. He goes into it, then he go, he finds himself into this room with his pod in the room. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 yeah, yeah. I yeah, feel I like you've skipped a massive chunk. I've, I've, <laughs> I've skipped a chunk right here. First, first... As soon as he goes into the monolith. As soon he as he goes... It, with the pod from the yeah. ship. He does grab it with the pod with the ship. I believe he does. Yeah, that but he goes into it. There. He looks, it's like he looks into this black hole and all he's seeing is very vibrant colours. Like, unbelievably um, bright colours, like really bright green, really bright red. Blue, and it's everything. Almost, it begins and it's like a wall on either side, and you're it's like two walls are very close, and you're going down the middle of yep, two walls. Yep. And, and he just keeps opening up like, like yeah. a door. It opens like a door with all these technicolors, a bit mm -hmm. like Willy Wonka's boat when they go down that tunnel. And then it opens out to shots of landscapes. Yeah. And they've but got, like in in vi very vibrant colours. Yeah, they've been like inverted, and they've got all different colour stuff done to them. Which which I think the first scene that happens, mm. the first few scenes where you see them in the Sahara Desert. Yeah, yeah. He used them for this. I mean, but that, added the colours. That would probably that is probably what happened. I imagine, but. Here's something about those scenes in the desert, Martin. What? Were they in the desert? The answer is no. <laughs> they could have been anywhere. He uses an incredible technique, Martin, called background projection. So imagine a big sheet of canvas on the back of a wall. And he gets a picture of the desert, okay? Mm. And he projects that picture onto the back wall. Then what he does is he builds a set in front of that picture with the same colours and materials that are in the picture. And he lines it all up properly, So, and then he lights it in a certain way. And I believe the thing that the, the fabric that the image is projected onto is a certain kind of fabric that absorbs light in a certain way. And when it's all done properly, the whole thing just looks like, right. Like it looks like you're there yeah. in the desert. It's incredible. It does look And there's so many though. shots... There's so many like behind the scenes kind of clips and videos and uh, pictures of him setting those shots up, mm -hmm. and it that technique right there is a big reason why people think he faked the moon landing because he's so good at being able to like have you seen those pictures on the moon? It'd be so easy to like project a yeah. fucking thing across because there's no like there's nothing going on in the background because it's fucking space. There's yeah. just stars. Yeah, exactly. So black. Yeah. All you'd need to do is build a few rocks and do this projection fucking shit. And that that's that that would be, but like. <sighs> so we'll get into the moon thing yeah. like as we go on, but we'll let's keep pushing ahead so we can finish the story. So obviously, you got all these colors, and it just it goes on for a good a good ten minutes. Yeah, it's a it's a long scene. It's a long, a really long, drawn out scene, and. He finally, like, at this whole point, you don't see his face at all. All you see is this 
all these colours. That's all you see for a good five, ten minutes. You can hear his breathing, I recall, throughout yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he's in a room with his, his uh, space pod. And he's looking around and he hears, he hears a, a sound. Yeah, he hears a, he hears a sound mm. of someone doing something. He looks over to where that sound is and all of a sudden it's him a bit older. Yeah. But then that other, that bit, that, that person that's a bit older looks at where he was. saw him, he was. But then if you look at, if, if he looks back to where he was, it's gone. Everything's mm. gone. And then he hears another sound and he looks at that way and then the same thing happens again. He's a bit older and he keeps doing this till he is, till he is um, a, a really, really old man who's about to die. Yeah. That whole scene freaked me out. What the fuck was happening? And then... But no, no, but yeah, I just yeah. want you to explain this. No, 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 that scene. We're gonna. It, it's a whole thing, Martin. Explaining this film. So next, he's in bed. He's in bed. Yeah, yeah. Is a really old man in bed, and he hears another noise, and all of a sudden, he's a baby. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa! Monolith. He looks at the monolith. It appears at the end of his bed. He appears at the end, yep. He looks at it, and we see it that he's there, and then there's this eerie music. And you kind of go into the monolith <coughs> again, sort of thing. And, and then all of a sudden it comes out. And here we are, the big ending scene. What is the last scene to the film, Mark? He's just a, a massive baby look overlooking the earth. There is a massive child in embryotic state heading towards planet Earth. I do not get it. And that is 2001 A Space Odyssey by Mr. Stanley Kubrick. What? Like, the whole... Like, you need to explain the whole scene. Well, I'm just going to... What it meant. Like, what the fuck? So like, the first half of this podcast is you explaining your experience. And yeah. now I'm just going to do the same thing again. But I'm just going to fill in the, fill in the yeah. gaps for you, Martin. Fill in the blanks. All right. So, 2001 is a pretty important film for a few different reasons. You need a little bit of background on it. Mm -hmm. The film he made, Kubrick made a few short films, okay, as a young filmmaker. He made, then he made a couple of, like, actual films as well. And he, he wasn't, like, too happy with them, really. Then he made a film called Lolita which is a Russian book, and that was the first film... You can watch it, and that's the first film that's like, this is a Kubrick film. It's got the feel that all the other films have. And ever since then, all of his films had a very distinct feel. And he's, he's a renowned perfectionist. He's, he's one of the only... Like, if something is in a Kubrick film, be it a song, something in a shot, a lens used, a lighting option, so something a character's wearing, something in the background... Kubrick has thought about it, and there is a reason why that is in the fucking film. There's, you know, you might be watching Transform. Not, I'm not going to downplay, like, it, this is done in, like, all films. Like, normally, a lot of things are think, thought about like that, like, mm -hmm. in a meticulous way. But Stanley Kubrick is, like, the top of the fucking pack for doing that. 
sort of thing. So it, if it's in the film, it probably means meant something. to be there. He then made a film called Doctor Strange Look, which is kind of like a complete satire of politics. It's about a crazed army general who takes over a plane in the Cold War and he's like, I'm going to bomb Russia. And he cuts all communication on the plane off from so the plane can't be can communicated with by the army. And he's like, I'm going to bomb Russia. So it's all about like the president of the United States having to communicate with Russia to be like, we don't know what this guy's doing in the plane. This isn't us starting war. Like, smooth the whole thing over sort of thing. And then they're tr also trying to stop the bomb from being dropped. But it makes them all look very silly. Like, all the characters are, like, over the top. Um, he was going to end the whole film. It's all set in, like, a big war room. You know, like, uh, the fucking COD map 5. Mm -hmm. The bottom layer. Not the lab layer. The, the middle layer. You've got, like, the yeah, boardroom. Uh, where the... Um... <sighs> well, all the terminals and shit are. Yeah, yeah. So they're in a room like that. And like the army generals there, the presidents there, like all the all the scientists are there, um, and he was going to end the film with a custard pie fight, because that's how he fucking sees like that was his view on like politics, politics and the way the world's being run, sort of thing. So for that film, he wanted to use a plane that the American government actually owned. I believe it was a B fifty two bomber. And the Americans basically said, no, you can't use the plane, because if you use the plane, the Russians will know what the plane looks like, inside and out, and we can't have that happen. So, here we go. This is what I was on about Kubrick being, like, a details guy. He bought a load of flight magazines that had this plane in, and worked out, basically, what this plane looked like. And made through a map magazine. of it through magazines and different angles. And then he just built the plane, sort of thing. So, the whole... The whole, oh, it'll be seen by the, the Russian, like... Well, he just went around that. Like, he just, like, sorted it out. Sort yeah, of I thing. get it, but, like, the whole... The government saying that they... It'll be seen by Russians, I'm like... If Russians uh, sent out a spy and just picked out loads of fucking magazines, they could have just done the same thing. Very true, very true. Exactly the same thing. So, he's a man of detail and I believe the American government were fairly impressed with his ability to be able to recreate that plane sort of thing so by the time he's at 2001 Kubrick's like a pretty well known dude sort of thing like Lolita and Strange Love did pretty well he's now in contact with a man called Arthur C. Clarke who he wrote a book with Kubrick alongside the making of this film now the ending to the book and the ending of the film are different but that's meant to be like that. Kubrick and him are like on the same, were on the same page. They wanted the book and the film to have different endings for different reasons. Um, science fiction, obviously we know it now for films like Star Wars and freaking E.T. and you know Star Trek and the rest of it. But back in like the 1950s, science fiction was like the thing to be into as a kid. Mm -hmm. Like there were science fiction magazines and you were collecting them like fucking currency to be talking with other kids in the schoolyard. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, Sounds like fucking Pokemon cards. Yeah, it was like the Pokemon cards of the day because that was like the coolest shit that was happening at the mm -hmm. time. Like that was where you found the crazy stories. That was where if there were like UFO stories, they'd be in the back of those science fiction magazines, yeah. people writing in and stuff like that. So all that stuff that is now like on the internet and we know 
it's a big part of like pop culture nowadays. That all lived inside science fiction magazines. So Kubrick, big science fiction fan. All of basically what I've just told you goes into 2001. Like that sets you up for where Kubrick was as a person. Sort okay. Of thing. Opening scenes were in eight planned. 2001 as a whole is the story of human existence. Yeah. And it's Kubrick's kind of take take on the meaning of life and why we're here sort yeah. of thing and where he thinks this is going to go as a society so what do we see the apes doing we see the apes dicking around doing things that apes do then we see one of them pick up a bone and he's kind of like uh, slapping each end of the bone so the other end pings up mm-hmm. and he, what he's doing there is he's kind of working out how gravity works force like if yeah. I apply force to this end this end springs up so therefore, if I put it in my hand and I throw it up, it comes back down and I catch it. He's working out like the nature of reality mm-hmm. sort of thing. So obviously we're meant to have evolved from apes. Well, there must have been a point where we started working this shit out. Yeah, of course. So yeah. It could have just been like, shit, we're here. Yeah, so you that is what he's trying to show. He's trying to show our evolution. Yeah. But the minute that he tosses... Oh, no, no, no. The minute that he has that bone in his hand... He's fuck automatically murdering another ape. Yeah. That's like the first thing that happens once he picks the bone up. And that kind of shows like the state humanity, the level of like moral code that humanity were at at that time of existence. Yeah. Great power, you know, like what understanding gravity and like the the power of like picking something up and tools using tools yeah. you know like a, a screwdriver is an incredible tool to like unscrew things with but you can also like jab a dude in the eye with it if you want yeah you shouldn't be doing that so that is what that scene's saying with like the killing it's saying that we they were savages sort of thing then we see the monolith come down the first appearance of the well, monolith it doesn't come down it just appears or does it just appear yeah it just yeah. appears they, what one one ape goes outside and looks and starts shouting yeah. and then the other apes wake up. And they all go crazy, don't they? Yeah, like, they, they all, all go crazy. crazy and then they start trying to touch it and like go, go like uh, mm. flinching. So as you said, then pretty instantly we see an ape throw a bone in the air and it turns into the space station like yeah. that and we're in the, this wicked shot. I love that yeah. shot. But it's in the future, like instantly. Yeah. So... I'm not going to give it away till the end, but that's our first interaction with the monolith. And what it kind of, what you can get from that scene is that the apes are like excited by it. It's not turned up and they're scared of it. It's not turned, well, they might be a little bit scared, like in awe, like, oh my God, this thing's like powerful. But they're not like scared of it in a bad way. They know it's something positive, like it's kind of exciting to them. And it almost suggests with them kind of you take what I was just saying, they're learning the basics of evolution. They're starting to evolve and learn the basics of like tools and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. With that comes a bigger understanding of right and wrong. So it's like the first stage of evolution. Ping to 2001. We're in space and stuff like that. That's kind of the point where we're at like now, yeah. basically. And we see there's one thing that is still the same in both the old narrative and the new narrative in space. We've got monoliths. Yeah. Monoliths are still here. And this time we're not kind of all, we're still quite excited about it, 
because they're all meeting in a room to talk about it. Yeah. But we're not going crazy. We're like not like jumping around it like the apes. So we can understand that some mental evolution has taken place. We're a bit more mature. We're not apes. We're not freaking out. Like there's a special thing here, but we're not freaking out about it. We're trying to learn what it is in a proper way. Yeah. So when there's been evolution, basically. So then we get to the moon and we see that there's a very loud noise coming from the monolith, which causes them to all like hold their heads and stuff like that. And I believe that message gets like deciphered and decoded and it says basically go to Jupiter. Yeah. That's basically what the message says. So it's kind of like already we can kind of use the monolith as a symbol. It's like a finger for humanity. Like, go that come way. over here, come over here, go over there, go over there. So it's symbolic of like an intelligence communicating with us. It's symbolic of Obviously, there's so many different theories to what's going on in space from down here on Earth. You've got people that believe in aliens. You've got people that believe in demons and angels. You've got people that believe in, like, spirits. You've got people that... All different things. The monolith is, like, all of those things. It's Put talking... It, yeah, it's talking about... We shouldn't be slapping name. If there is, like, some sort of intelligence communicating with us... We obviously don't really understand it, so we shouldn't be like slapping a name on it and being like, it's this. We don't fucking know what it is. Yeah, you know. That's the nature yeah. of it. Yeah. So the monolith is as nondescript and unspecific as possible. Yeah. But to be fair, everything that we have right now, we've given names to, but like, we don't know. That's because we've made all this shit. Yeah, but like, we haven't made forests. You know what I'm saying? Like, we. Yeah. That, that's just been here. And we just said, that's a forest. That's a tree. That's a leaf. There's this thing... Right. Okay. <laughs> we, you can't use that excuse for aliens, because if science is correct, no one's ever seen an alien. No, that, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, you can't, you can't... We shouldn't be able to name everything. Like, we call it an alien, because it's an... It's a word that we've made to describe something that is not from our species. And, uh, you know, a thousand years ago, an alien, you know, one man's alien is another man's angel. One man's demon is another man's alien yeah. sort of thing. Like, I, no, no, I get it. I get it. It's, it's like some people see it as, oh, that must have been... An angel. Oh, no, that's, that's an alien. And that's all and dependent like, on how you were brought up and yeah, how, like, like, it, your surroundings and all we, that. We're giving names to all this stuff that could already have names. Why? I mean? Yeah, that's just the name we call this thing, Yeah, basically. Yeah. So, just to say... You, so you can start putting names on everything because it's what we've done through our lives. And, but once you put... For a, us to understand what that is. Once you put a label on something... People, you can then write it off in your mind. Like, that's that. I don't need to think about it anymore. No. But if something's like, if you don't know what something is, that's going to really bother you. Oh, you, yeah. You're going to be like, what is that? Yeah. What is that thing? I want to know what that is. What yeah. is it? It's going to really, like, piss you off. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So that's, I think, why a lot of people get angry at this film. Because they're like, that monolith, it's never, like, been explained what it is. But I believe it's quite easy if you just 
watch the film. So what happens next is we are on the ship and we're on the way to Jupiter and we're we're dealing with AI. So it's crazy that sixty years ago he knew that we would be dealing with AI in a big way. A relationship with computers. Yeah. Computers that we've programmed to act like us. And that whole section of the film is a real testament to what's happening right now with technology. We are on that brink. We are going through the fucking how thing. Like, we are... We're a bit, like, 18 years late, but yeah, we're going through it. Every single day, I see headlines about AI and sentience within AI. Yeah, possibly the AI is going to take over. Literally, right now, today, Elon Musk announced his new company... And it's going to allow you to... This is going to... It's called, like, Neuralink. And I didn't. I only saw the headline, but the basic, like, synopsis of what I saw is that it's storing your brain on a computer. Straight up. Yeah. He was talking about it on Joe Rogan, that he had a, a surprise, a secret that was going to shock people. Well, we're here. Like, yeah. this is fucking 2000 and, it's 2019, but this yeah. is 2001, people. Like, yeah. the relationship with AI is incredibly important. It is just because we don't think AI has a capacity for emotion in the same way we do, that does not mean that it does not run on some sort of. I don't, I'm getting into an area now where it's like I'm becoming an AI activist where I'm like, AI are people too, man. Yeah. But that's not what I'm saying. They're not people, and that's the point. But we don't fully understand what they are and the nature of their of what AI is and what it's going to be capable of doing if we let it evolve in the way that it's going. Yeah. It's going to be able to live for us. Yeah. Sort of thing. And there's a lot of people on this earth that don't like what's going on outside so much and living, having a world that's created by a machine to live in seems preferable right now. So it's kind of, they're vulnerable. If the option was given to them to be able to jump into the Matrix, I believe a lot of people would go right now because of some of the things that are happening on the planet, like global warming, the political situation. I believe a lot of people think it's all hopeless and they all would be very ready to strap on a VR helmet, lie down in a coffin, fucking fly around space. I hardly fucking blame like it. Yeah. Because sometimes it is a bit grim around here, but... Nevertheless, that portion of the film is very much exploring man's relationship with AI. And I also think it's quite... Because obviously the next portion of the film takes place in, like, deep space, which is an area of space. May I say, we have not been further than where the International Space Station currently is into space in over 20 years. The International Space Center uh, Station lies. The International Space Center is about five miles away from me currently in Leicester. The International Space Station resides in just outside the Earth's ozone layer. There's, you know, that's it's probably like millions of miles away from the ozone layer, but it's fairly close to the Earth, and it revolves around the Earth's orbit. Mm-hmm. The Moon, yeah, which is further away. Well, we've not been to the Moon in like twenty years, and that's the furthest we've been. And we can see the fucking moon. Yeah. You know what I mean? So we haven't been very far into space. We have not... Our, our, us, as, a, our, as humans, our, obviously our technology has. Well, we've had... Yeah, yeah, we've had probes and stuff like that, but that is... That doesn't have, like, consciousness like us. 
Yeah. And it's important. That is important. I believe if this film is anything to kind of believe in, that, yeah, there's a consciousness element to going into space. You go and watch interviews with astronauts and all of them talk about an overwhelming... Once you see the planet as a whole. So, would you... If you see a building that you've never seen before, you don't know what's inside and you're yeah. kind of scared. You're like, we're not scared, but there's like a, mis a mystique to it because you don't know what's inside. You go inside the building, you look in all the rooms, and all of a sudden it's not as big as it seemed, and you can be like, oh, that's that building, I know what's in there. Yeah. Sort of thing. Apparently you won't experience that. But for the planet. But for the whole planet. And you just see it in one go, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's that, that's Earth. Like, yeah. that's those guys. Sort of thing. It's not like, that's that country, and that's that country, and this no, is... No, 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 this, this is, is that world. This town, it's like, that's that planet, and that's those guys. Yeah. Like, we are here. Like, it, it's massive to us, it's massive in scope, and it's... It's almost disrespectful to people that put their whole lives into studying a very specific thing because it makes it look so small. It's yeah. like, no, we're all just one. And like everything we've learned in science and history is like, that's just our, our version. Yeah. It's, mm. it, it's massive, but at the same time, it's just our shit. And that's that. Like you, If you ever wanted to, in a hypothetical situation where there were lots of other friends to play with out in the cosmos, you'd be a dick if you started... All you wanted to talk about was stuff going on at your planet. Yeah. So, 99% of people on the planet can't even comprehend the shit going on on this planet. So... It's just crazy how to, to think, like, we've been in this planet for how, how long? 8,000 8, years? This but? iteration of humanity has been here, like, 20,000 years. And we're still fucking 5% of knowing what the what the whole ocean, like, that's, just the surface. That's 5% yeah, I mean, of that, knowing what's in the ocean. Like That's a crazy statistic. It, it's difficult to, like, wrap your mind around because a lot of the ocean has been... a lot. That doesn't mean that we haven't, like, mapped all the ocean. We have mapped the well, ocean. We've mapped it. We just don't know what's in it. Yeah, and it's it, only 5%. It's more about but, like, I feel there. like that's, what, 30 miles deep? Oh, yeah, there's some shit living at the bottom of the sea that we would call more alien than anything hey, that th I've yeah, seen. That's in the fucking... Uh, in or any the picture I've universe. seen of a reported alien, there's shit at the bottom of the sea that looks way freakier than, yeah. like, a grey-headed, like, alien. Like yeah. That. So, what I believe a big takeaway from 2001 is as a film is that there's some sort of spiritual... Uh, that word kind of triggering there's some sort of emotional evolution needed as a planet for us to progress into space mm -hmm. and i believe that the battle between ai and man is like the last hurdle to being able for us to go into space as a whole world and we're there like we're seeing it happening like 50 years ago when this film was made or 60 years ago that was science fiction uh, the only people that had an idea that society would be like this right now were a handful of people in high government and yeah. military that kind of understood what technology had just been discovered or discovered or given to us or whatever you want to believe the people that saw that technology in the 50s instantly knew like the internet was just fathomable but all the normal people in the world in the 50s 
would think you were talking about magic if you bought a fucking iPhone to them or like yeah. explain what an yeah. iTunes library is. If or you, a, yeah, if you if you went right now back in them days and showed them an iPhone, they were like, why is this blasphemy? Like, what? Like, you're a witch. Let's fucking burn you down. Like, but there were a few people in the military and in scientific institutions that understood what was fucking coming and it must have scared the shit out of them. Like, because they, they got it. So... Then we get into the bit of the film where we get to like Jupiter and what happens after Jupiter and the monolith appears and this weird psychedelic experience happens. How I would... This is where I'm going to get into what the monolith actually means. The monolith represents the thing that keeps us evolving. We don't quite know what it is. There's, there's a whole fuckload of people on the internet that believe, like, aliens have meddled with our DNA. And, like, they, they turn... The, the more kookier people out there like to imagine silver discs coming down, little grey men coming out and opening the brains of monkeys and, like, altering the DNA and we turned into us. The more religious people, there's, like, a religious basis for, oh, angels came down and had sex with women on the earth and they gave birth to like a giant race and that's how the DNA was like meddled with and stuff like that and we've got like part angel inside of us so I'm not going to get into all of that but what I'm trying to say is there's lots of different theories as to how we have evolved Yeah. and science hasn't even like I believe evolution can live perfectly side by side with the idea that there's something else going on in the universe. I don't think that's, like, out the... I, evolution has obviously happened. Like Of course, yeah. Like the, we would be here if, yeah, it wasn't, if the, we didn't evolve. Exactly, like, and the process of it and everything, it's exactly as, like, it, it is written in all the books. Like, anyone who's going to debate evolution is a fool. But it's more about what triggered evolution and what... why that started happening. And mm -hmm. the human brain... We have, like, an abnormally large brain for our size, body size. And it grew incredibly fast. There was a, a period of time where our brain grew quicker than any other animals has ever done. Yeah. Okay? And then all of this weird shit started. Like, all of a sudden, like, look at the room we're in, Martin. Like, these microphones. We have learned to capture sound. We are capturing sound and video at the same time for other people to go and see and we're at a point where this is so commonplace that probably no one's going to listen or watch to what we're doing Martin because so many other people are doing it yeah so we live in a world where that is normal that is completely it's a weird you go back 200 years before show them all this you're crazy we move at a very quick rate yeah, compared to the, the other species on this planet yeah so it almost seems like there's something going on I've read all sorts of religious books, uh, UFO books, occult books, Bigfoot books, Loch Ness Monster, all of it. All of it. None of it makes any sort of sense, and none of it is, like, <laughs> kind of real or imaginable in any sort of reality. But what you kind of get from all of it is just an overwhelming sense that something is happening. There's yeah. some greater thing going on. And the monolith represents that. It's this thing that seems to be pushing us in a direction. 
and it, it appeared to the apes and made us act more civilized and made us gather in the way that we get like it gave us the basic beginnings of society yeah learning how to like respect one another to a certain extent and be able to trade things and money and all yeah. of that and how to talk properly then you've got like this thing hanging in the fucking sky all the time and whilst like they're all getting along on earth every night they get to look up at this thing like you should probably go there one day like what is that what is that thing in the air like it's almost like a finger going like come on you can see it and I assume for a long time mountains filled that hole for men like there were blokes just yeah. walking around all over the place like looking at up and like I'm going to get to the top yeah. of that mountain I'm going to get to the top of that mountain but one day someone climbed all the mountains and all that was left was the fucking moon <laughs> so as the film says we take the next step we go to the moon guess who's there Mr. Monolith mm -hmm. waiting for us yeah now the moon landing I believe we went to the moon ridiculous to say we didn't go to the moon. Very ridiculous. What I do believe is that some of the footage that was shown of the moon wasn't the moon. Now that doesn't mean we didn't go to the moon. I believe 100% we went to the moon. I know that taking analog film through an airport can be a dangerous activity for the film. Yeah. You can damage the film going through the scanners. All sorts. They went through the fucking ozone layer. They were like in a rocket. And obviously now we've just got this camera and it just saves to a hard drive and it's all just thumbs up. You forget back then it was all like delicate film and they had to like put it, they had to uh, develop it all and crazy. I just, maybe some of that footage from the moon. Maybe Mr. Stanley Kubrick was bought in just to touch a few details up here and there and make it all nice and tidy so it could go out people oh, are happy maybe that's wrong I mean, make people happy yeah because because obviously everyone's like oh yeah we, we made it blah 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 all this shit and you're like you didn't do fuck all you just sat at home and watched it yeah so they needed because if we run with the idea that getting to the moon is the next jump of evolution once we've worked out how to all play nice on earth you meant to go to the moon next. That's the next signpost saying, come yeah. here. We can say... What were we saying? <laughs> about, oh, yeah, about the moon being fake. We can say that everyone on the planet needs to be involved. They need yeah. to feel involved. Yeah. It can't just be this little... One person, one This country. little group. Yeah, it's not going it, to... It really, it's impossible to be able to get the public to have that feeling that going into space is like seeing the planet as a whole so you need a real tight thing to broadcast to the public to hopefully make them feel that feeling of inspired like we did it we made it to the moon we're evolving as a race because once you realize that we're just one planet you're all going to stop hating one another like someone cut but you off that will never happen till something like aliens start coming until in. the monolith turns up into yeah until something like that like happens like big Till we're like almost extinct that we're thinking, oh shit, maybe we shouldn't be fighting each other and maybe we well, should fucking work together to get... I kind of believe that's what's happening right now with global warming, Mark. Yeah. And... I mean, 100... 
56 months. We're deep into conspiracy talk now. Like, that's hot. So many different conversations about the moon landing. So many different conversations about different ways the government are going to use big, scary things to bring us all together. Sort of thing. There's so many different conspiracies. But before we get into that, what the fuck's happening with that massive baby? We're, you, we're getting there. You need to get we, there quicker because I'm like, I, this is the only war that I want to get there. All the blocks. And I get it, but like, you need to understand every bit of the film for the baby. The baby's the 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 moon landing does not have the baby in mind. Like, one hundred percent. Every part of this film is connected. So. It is. It's a fucking film. Oh yeah, yeah, I get it. So but like, they then decide to go to Jupiter. All right. They get told to go to Jupiter by the monolith. And my whole point about the moon landing is that there's a lot of different conspiracy theories about the idea that we got to the moon. Yeah. And we were told to bugger off back down to Earth until we can play ball with each other. Sort of like. Which is fair enough. The general idea, if if you were to skim uh, the only bits of good information from conspiracy theories off the top of all the horse shit you get the vibe that some shit went down on the moon and we were told off in some sort of way mm -hmm. which kind of corresponds with the monolith like screaming at those people yeah so there's that then they go to Jupiter we have the battle with AI and everything and we see the ego of the captain, the, the dude who's piloting the ship, kind of break down. He's going through like sensory deprivation. He's on his own. He's alone. He's traveling through space sort of thing. And you know what sensory deprivation is, where you get in a tank that's filled with salt water, so you float. And because you're floating and because it's completely dark, you have a sense of weightlessness. Yeah. And it feels like you're just floating through space. Yeah. Now, when you're in these tanks, if you're not freaking out about the fact that you're in a very small space, and if you're not freaking out about the fact that you float, like, if you're calm and your mind's focused and you're in one of these tanks, you'll probably start hallucinating. And you'll probably start, like, similar to meditation sort of thing. It, it's, it's in the same... You take away the senses. Obviously, most of the time when people are in the dark, they've got a goal, and it's go to sleep. And even then they dream and they start hallucinating. Yeah. But if you were to just sit in a dark room and you've got to think, you're a human being, you've got senses. Well, what are senses? Well, they're sources for data. You're constantly like taking data in. Mm -hmm. The eyes taking visual information. The ears taking audio, audible information. So if you were to cut those sources off one by one, you're just left with consciousness. You're just yeah. left with what you are. You're left, you kind of you lose a sense of the body and that leaves you with just you. Yeah. And that is basically what happens to Dave, the captain. He goes deeper and deeper into space and he loses his sense of self sort of thing. And the monolith then appears again. In front of him. And it's only at this point where he's he's, he's done it all. He's in space, he's been to the moon, he's, he's kind of reach that level of emotional evolution that is required to basically meet God. What happens next in the next sequence of psychedelic images and there's even a fucking bit in this psychedelic little sequence where seven diamonds appear in the sky. I don't know if you remember that. They're like blue diamonds and there's like stars and they all appear 
as one of these landscapes is coming across, and they're almost like cartoon diamonds. Yeah, I think yeah, I think I remember a little bit. Yeah. So those seven diamonds, I believe, if you go look at the world religions, Martin, obviously Christianity, which is the one that kind of rules here, and they believe there's one god. But if you go and look at all the other religions, like it's multiple gods, Greek and Egypt and stuff like that, there just seems to be a council of or like a group of seven gods and that just runs across like Hinduism it runs across the Greeks the Egyptians Aztecs there's a there's a there's like hundreds of gods within these religions but there's like seven big boys yeah in Greeks you call them the Titans Zeus and the like yeah. uh, in Egyptian you call the word might be Pantheon or it might be Iliad or... Pantheon I think Pantheon might be Greek, but either way, the idea that the seven... Of everything. No, seven kind of big gods looking after us. Yeah. Also corresponds with the amount of planets that there are. Well, were believed to be at the time that 2001 was made. You've got... Let me think. Um, seven days in a week. Yeah, it's not about everything being seven. It's more about uh, the idea of gods and the idea that the planets... The last the last civilization to believe in gods in the same way that the Egyptians and the Greeks did were the Romans. And what they did is they took the Greek gods and they turned them into the planets. Yeah. Basically. Mm -hmm. So the god of war, Ares, Mars. became Mars, yeah. basically like that so that and we run with that today because the Roman civilization is like the basis for the Catholic Church mm -hmm. and obviously here we are in England yeah the Church of England so the planets are now our gods and that is why the planet <laughs> they're not our gods they're big balls of rocks or gas and I understand that from a scientific point but for all extensive purposes they are our gods <laughs> and that is why the monolith is sending Jupiter has relevance. Each of the planets has some sort of... Once you start looking into what gods were and how they were worshipped, you start to see that each god has things associated with it, like Saturn is associated with time, and the god Kronos, yeah, Kronos was, yeah. is Saturn. And the idea is uh, Saturn has a scythe, which is used for cutting corn. Well, the Grim Reaper also carries a scythe, and the Grim Reaper is based on Kronos. Why is he based on Kronos? Because Kronos is the god of time. The Grim Reaper comes when your time is ended. Mm -hmm. He has a scythe. This whole planet is based on Saturn worship. But isn't, isn't Kronos holding the world? He holding might be. the universe? Yeah, he's also holding... The whole lot... I believe... I'm going to like... This is something to look into. I'm sure if you type in 2001 Saturn or something like that, you'll see that the original planet they were meant to be going to, it might even be the planet they go to in the book, I'm not sure, but the planet they were meant to go to is Saturn. Is it? Yeah, and that's because if you think, we're ruled by time. Like, yeah. we are ruled by time. That is what rules, like, what we do. I have to go to work tomorrow. Well, when is tomorrow? Tomorrow is in one hour, 50 minutes. Well, I better be getting to bed soon. Like, that, it dictates everything I do. Mm -hmm. So the idea is that we are ruled by time, therefore we are ruled by Saturn. That is very kind of mystical religious talk right there. Like, they are the ones, the mystics of the world and stuff like that. They're the ones that are talking about planets being gods and stuff like that. But yeah. 
it's also kind of apparent in 2001 that Mr. Kubrick has been doing some mystical reading. He's been, he, he's well read, is Mr. Kubrick. And he is. He's a royal red man. You will find that they go to Jupiter and he then has a conversation with God. And that basic conversation that he has with God, as you said, when he enters that room, he keeps hearing noises, and every time he looks over where the noise is, he's there and he's older. But then he looks back and it's gone. Yeah. Well, that's time disappearing, Martin. Yeah. That's the idea that we as humans have a life, a time limit on what we do. And the image of him being in bed with the monolith stood at the end of the bed it says a whole lot of different things it kind of says that number one the monolith has been there the whole time watching us from day one whatever the monolith is it's saying that the whole time we have been watching the monolith like because we're watching it at the end of the bed uh, if you could just pull your phone out your pocket why? I don't have it it's over there charging well, I'm going to go over there <laughs> All I have to do, Martin, is uh, show you me the top. Not even show you the fucking time, Martin. I just have to turn this screen off. What is the shape of? What does it look like? A monolith. Like, look at it. It is like designed exactly like that fucking thing the dude's in bed watching a monolith. Mm. Now, the next scene in the film when he's in the bed, it zooms into the, mo in, into the monolith. The camera shot does. And it becomes, the monolith becomes the same size as the cinema screen. Yeah. Okay? So it's also kind of saying that that's kind of, it's kind of like tongue-in-cheek. It's almost like this whole thing's a film. You're an idiot. Like, you've been watching a film the whole time sort of thing. So even with all this deep, crazy stuff going on, you've got that classic Stanley Kubrick-like sense of humour, like... At the end, it's like, you're watching a film, bro. Yeah. Chill out. There's quite a few... What I'm saying now is taken from a quite famous YouTuber called Jay Winder who does Stanley Kubrick breakdown videos online and he has, he's got like two-hour videos on every Kubrick film like take uh, going through them all. But he has pointed out that throughout the film there are numerous references to the fact that this is a film. And you shouldn't take it too seriously almost. Like, you know when they're in that boardroom discussing the meeting to the moon? Mm -hmm. All around the room, there's, like, curtains mm -hmm. sort of thing, and it's like the curtains are drawn, like, at a movie theatre. There's just loads of little subtle references to, like, the film industry, and, like, this is a film yeah. sort of thing. And then we're left with the final image of the baby. So fucking don't get the baby coming back to a massive entity overlooking the whole planet. So if we were to look at Dave's life, Captain Dave, we would, and you would, you were to describe it, his, his narrative in a very general sense, you'd say that, well, he went on a mission to Jupiter, he went into a black hole, spoke to God, and came back as a massive baby. That's basically how you'd summarise it in a very general sense. Yeah. But what, is that baby, what does that baby signify? What does that baby mean? Rebirth. Rebirth, kind of. It also, I don't have a 100% answer for what the baby is, Martin. I have a few interesting things that I can pull out 
to give you a bit more of an idea of the vibe of what he might mean with the okay. baby. There's an idea, obviously many different religions like dabble with the idea of like reincarnation, death, what happens after death and all of that. And we've even seen films like Interstellar do, you've seen Interstellar? Yeah. So think about when he gets Amazing. pulled into that black hole and he's in that kind of world where like he can see everything, everything. happening at once yeah. sort of thing. I believe that that was an attempt. That's a very similar thing to what 2001 is trying to show. So that room where he's in, where he's all old, that's kind of showing the that's showing everything. That's showing human timeline. Yeah. Like that's showing the life of every single human in that one room. You see them age and they die like quickly. And in Interstellar is a bit more like Spielberg. It's a bit more family friendly. 2000 Stanley Kubrick's quite a dry man. So 2001 in itself is quite dry in the way that it, it tells its stories. But there's the idea that you get reincarnated and if you kind you have karma, you know, you have like, if you do good things in life, you might get reincarnated. I, I know Hindus believe you come back as animals, but it's more, I'd look at it more from you come back as a human, but a more emotionally evolved human. And you keep going up that chain of emotional evolution until you realise that this experience that we're experiencing right now is not desirable. Yeah. The whole Western world runs on the premise that death is bad. Like death, because it, we're thinking about it on a very material level. Like, oh, that person's gone and I miss them so much. Or if you're thinking about yourself dying, you're thinking about, I don't want to miss all these people. I don't want to be gone from the things that I love sort of thing but it was just gonna get a grip and think about like well well if we're looking to be one as a planet okay that has been the ultimate goal of humanity so far to get along as a planet well what if it's the ultimate goal of the universe for every single living thing to be one like coincidentally the state the universe was in before the big bang yeah, it was nothing. Everything returns to nothing. Yeah. That's the general vibe of what's being said here. And the idea is, I guess with the baby, is that Dave is now coming back to the Earth as a bigger presence, as some sort of spiritual presence. He now exists in the fabric of the world and not as a human. He's now an overseer of the planet. Maybe similar to one of the... Maybe he's become part of the monolith. Maybe he's become part of the diamonds that appear. You know what I mean? He's yeah. been accepted into that higher there's so many different words for it the quantum world the dmt realm heaven where the angels live he's been accepted into that yeah into somewhat yeah into that bit i will also leave the idea of there's a book that was published in the early 1900s called moonchild and it was made written in like the 1910s i think and it's basically about a man performing some sort of magical ritual to bring about the apocalypse. And he ends up having a child with a woman, and that child is meant to bring the end of the world to us. Now, when I say the words the end of the world, you think about you know, like, a typical, like, fire raining from the sky and stuff like that, like a bad end of the world. But if we go back to what we were just saying about 
everything returning to one, the end of the world is like a positive thing from that point. Everything, yeah. re- all the soul... All Everyone the, just goes into one. Yeah, all the consciousness returning back to being one. So therefore that puts all this talk of apocalypse and the end of the world into a whole new light sort of thing. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's what we should be working towards. Maybe global warming's meant to be happening. Yeah. That's just a maybe. So then <laughs> we fucking come back and if it happens again, we could just be like, we can evolve. Yeah, so that's... That is a narrative right there that I've just said that I see in a lot of media. A lot of different things. And I, I purposely go looking for it now because it's like, oh, this same old story when, mm-hmm. I, when I find it again. The idea that we're all meant to return to one. The idea that we're meant to keep emotionally evolving. I keep going to say spiritual, but I just really like hate saying that word out loud because it just paints me with a certain brush. Emotional is like more realistic. Mm-hmm. So become more emotionally advanced and then you will be able to deal with life and human, human connection better. And you... We'll, we will be able to go into space as a planet. And I believe... And not as a country. Yeah, and not as an individual. So, that, Martin, is why I love 2001. That is why I think it's a pure film with a good message. It's, a, it's a good film. No, I never say it like it wasn't. It's a really good film. Good, good uh, sort of... Um, uh, good editing from the director but it's like it's time it's like it's so advanced it's just like it's nothing like I would have like seen from just the the day it was you wouldn't have expected that yeah Yeah. I would not have expected that and then think about all the stuff I've just told you like where he was at philosophically Mm -hmm. like where he was at mentally yeah ahead of the game ahead ahead way ahead just like Imagine him right now making films. Oh. It would be it would be so like it would be like am I there? Am I like am I literally in that film? So you think Eyes Wide Shut is the last Kubrick film, which is what Martin will be watching next episode. Yeah. But Mr Kubrick's name is on another film that was released two years after Eyes Wide Shut. Which and is? that film is called AI. Artificial Intelligence. AI. He wrote it. And then he gave the script to Steven Spielberg. Oh, really? And Steven Spielberg made it and released it after he died. Oh, wow. And that film... Is in 2001. That film is incredibly interesting. It, I'll have to... Well, what, I'll, watch, I'll watch Eyes Wide Shut first. Eyes Wide Shut is going to be that. the next episode. Yeah. Um, hopefully we'll be getting that done soon. We're starting filming for our third short film point three of the new shamanic the art project that i'm working on to hopefully bring some positive information to the masses through the medium of art and we're working on the third installment called waking up and we begin shooting that next week and hopefully get some podcast stuff together we've got the podcast page on the website being worked on. My sister's going to be doing uh, readings, fortune, tarot, that sort of thing on the website. We've got quite a few other bits and bobs coming up in the works, including music, uh, 
sketch shows, all sorts of different bits and bobs. So keep an eye out. Stay safe. If anyone is interesting, don't be a stranger. Always messages. Yeah, we want to work with people. Like, like just let us know what you think. Tell us, tell us your 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 views on on two thousand and one and what like you think actually happened. Yeah, what's your take on it? What's your take on it? Tell us. What other films do you think I should get Martin to watch that are really going to throw a bone for him? uh, Throw a bone for him because I will watch. You know, I'll watch anything and go in with an open mind. Check us out. MIP. Dot org, um, MIP LTD on YouTube. Uh, Martin uh, Diverge on Insta. MIP on Insta. Jack, uh, Jack Oland on uh, on Insta. Martin Diverge on Facebook. Just give just give it to me. All just that give good it to stuff. Me. All that good stuff. Right, that's us. Episode two, over and out. It's not that deep. Oh, say that into the mic. I said it first, didn't I? No, but say it again.